In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I want to mess Jim up as the camera operator. I'm going to mess you all up, too, and do something I don't normally do, which is uh, to talk to you rather than um, to deliver a homily. It might be a homily, it might be a sermon, it might seem a little different still. But um, I want to talk to you from the passage in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. So if you have that lesson insert, maybe find that and pull it out. If you at home have it, then think that you can your Bible, Philippians chapter 2. A little, a little prelude here. Paul is in prison. He's probably in a certain type of environment where he's sort of like a house arrest in Rome. And in, in a house arrest situation, he would likely be chained to a jailer. Um, and so he, he could be in a very uh, nasty prison, or he's in a house arrest situation. It's somewhat unclear. Scholars have a different debate about this. But here's the issue. Paul is, is being held under guard. The charge is mindless in, in Latin. It is a, it's a uh, treason. He's being held under the charge of being an enemy of the state. The only one who can adjudicate this case seems to be the emperor, who will get to it when he gets to it, in no hurry. Um, Paul has some confidence. He has um, some belief in himself uh, that he's going to be able to, um, to perhaps talk his way out of this. Look, I'm not in any of state at all, you know, he can say and, and make a case. But when you're a threat, even a, you know, a, a supposed threat in the ancient world, the likelihood of this ending well is good. It's not very good at all. <clears throat> and so Paul has this charge hanging over his head. And he writes several letters. Philippians is one of them. And he loves the people in Philippi. They're um, northern Greece, we call Macedonia. He's in Rome. Um, it's this, uh, this Roman colony, a very important city. And Paul has, uh, has really fallen in love with these people. Listen to what he says. It's not in your lesson. But in chapter 1, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. You hear this? So I yearn for you with this affection, this love of, of God. And, and so his sense of, of missing them it is so great. Um, and he's surprised, you know, that some good things have actually come out of this. Uh, earlier in chapter 1, I want you to know, sisters and brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You're not going to believe this. I would have thought this was a horrible thing, but it turns out that, um, that this is really advancing the gospel. Good things are happening because I'm here. In fact, you know, say, it's kind of strange. Some people are doing or are preaching the gospel because they think it's going to harm me. It's going to make my situation worse. Only what they don't know is they're preaching the gospel. And people are hearing this and are coming to faith in Christ. And so, even when they do it um, you know, bad intent, mystery intent, you know, nefarious kind of behavior intent, it's still working out to the good of the gospel. And so it's amazing. And then he says in chapter 1, um, it is my eager expectation of hope that I will not uh, be at all ashamed, but with, uh, but with full courage now, as always in Christ, to be honored in my body, whether life or death. So, it doesn't really matter what happens to me. That, that God is going to be glorified through all this. Um, he also hopes that he's going to get out. You know, I, I, I want to see you. I plan to come to you. But reality sets in too. Um, 
And he says that he realizes that his life may be poured out as a drink offering. This is the tension he's in, right? Paul's in prison. He's writing to a church that is a fledgling new church. It's, it's barely off the ground. Um, he, he's planted this church. He's, he's been involved in these people's coming to faith. And now he leaves them. He's in prison. It's very likely that he's going to die. He loves them, so he writes them a letter. I remember in my very first parish in Kentucky, um, we, we would do this Bible study in our home. And um, the very first one we did was did uh, First Corinthians. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a long letter, 15 chapters, you know. So we're, we're in this, um, in this uh, Bible study week after week after week, and um, there's this fellow who was a member of my parish, one of those good and gentle and decent human being you ever met. He'd grown up in the church his entire life he'd been in the church. And we're well into to, to the first Corinthians, I don't know, eight, ten chapters in. And he says to me one night, so this is just like a letter. This is just like a, a letter that somebody wrote. And I said to him, well, yeah, that's what I've been saying. I've been saying this for two months now, you know, every Wednesday. And it had never occurred to him that what you're reading is an ancient email. Just somebody, you know, who wrote a letter. A man who wrote a letter to some friends. In this case, he writes his other laws in prison, and he's facing execution. I want you to think, if you were to have a chance, you know, you're, you are in his situation. You were in Paul's place. You're writing a letter. You get to write one. What are you going to say? What are the things that you're going to say to your friends? Get to write one letter back to your home church. Well, Paul tells them, first of all, how much he loves them. Tells them he realizes the situation he's facing. And then he gets to sort of the crux of what he wants to write. Ironically, he's that word crux because the word crux means cross. <laughs> he actually is pointing towards the cross. So if there's any encouragement. And what I think he's saying, if you want to encourage me, if you have any way of wanting to encourage me, in Christ. If there's any comfort you want to bring me in love, any participation that you want to share with me spiritually, if you have any affection or any sympathy for me, I think this is what he's saying here. It, 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 it's a little more clear in, in his original text. Complete my joy. How? How can you really make me full of joy? By being of the same mind. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. One mind. One mind. Two times he says that. One mind. One mind. One mind. Be of the same accord. Be unified in love. What's at the heart of what he wants to say to them? Unity is important. It is essential for the life of the church. That you're unified. That you you do need this one thing. Be unified. Have the same mind. Well, how do you do that? How how is it possible? Because you know there are some people who think they know it all. You know these people, and they're really annoying to those of us who actually do. 
right? You heard that, right? Um, sometimes it's hard to be of the same mind because you hear people talk. <laughs> you were good until they spoke, and now you realize, no, we're not. How can you have your own opinions? Be strong in those opinions. Have your own ideals. At the same time, be of one mind. Well, Paul tells you. Verse 4. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but on the interests of others. Don't be self-consumed. Don't be just wrapped up in your own life and your own idea. In fact, have this mind among yourselves. Have a change of mind. A change of heart. And all of these lessons today, did you hear the changing of the mind? In Ezekiel, our fathers ate sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. We're being punished for things we didn't do. And the prophet says, no, you're being punished for things you want to do. But if you change your mind, go about life a different way, You'll be blessed. Jesus says uh, to the uh, to those gathered in in the uh, in the temple square. You know, if you had listened to John, if you had changed your mind to listen to him, you'd have hope. But instead, tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to heaven. The kingdom of heaven ahead of you. Paul says it this way: Have this mind. Have this mind in you. Uh, verse, excuse me, verse 5. Have this mind on yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count the quality of God, they could be grass. But emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Have this mind set among yourselves. Be like Christ. Set him as your example. And what was the example he set for you and for me? He was very God. You know what Paul says when he, he says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and confess to the glory of God the Father, that he is Lord. You know where he gets that from? He gets it from Isaiah 42, and where, where God, speaking to the prophet, says this, I, Yahweh, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue confess that I'm God. Paul applies that to Jesus. Jesus, being in the very form of God, did not think equality with God and be grasped, but he emptied himself. Emptied himself of the dignity of, of the, um, the, the glory that he held and became subject, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, the most humiliating type of death a first century Jew could have. He gave up his life. He gave up his rights, accepted the form of a servant, washed feet, cared for the needs of others. And Paul writes to his friends in Philippi, and I think he writes to me and you, you and me, the same thing. He would say the same thing to us. Take this mind. Change your mind. You don't have to, you don't have to be right. You can be humble. <laughs> you can give up your rights. 
take the form of a servant. Listen, sisters and brothers, I think the work of the devil is division. Division. It, it kills us. It destroys us as a church. It destroys us as a nation. It destroys us as, a, as citizens of the world. To divide us. Because then we become tribal, don't we? Oh, we love to be tribal. My word, humans are tribal. It, it's amazing. I was watching Ken Burns' documentary on Vietnam. And it was in the 60s. And of course they have the, the first ever really integrated uh, uh, fighting units. And, and, and these African-American and white uh, uh, you know, soldiers would be at camp and they would be at each other, you know, and then they would go out into the, to the bush and go on patrols and all of a sudden they're brothers. Why? Because they changed tribes. This is what we do. Stop being tribal. We have to stop this. We have to stop the division and divisiveness in our, in our lives and in our society and for heaven's sake in the church. Instead, embrace humility, being servants to one another. Um, there's a story of, uh, of Sir Edmund Hillary. You know, he's the first man to, to, um, to summit uh, Everest. You know, it's not Everest. And he and uh, another guy, Norway, what was that name? Um, they they find the Everest first ones ever to do it. And then every year, Sir Edmund Hillary would go back to, to Nepal and he would visit people. And he was a servant among them. And he became quite a, quite a hero, not for his, uh, his climb but for the way that he cared for the people of Paul. And they loved him. They, they would see him. They called him Sir Ed. And, and they always wanted to get photos with him. And he was always, you know, willing to oblige. And, and, uh, and one day, you know, many years later after the climb, he's, he's out there and some, some uh, of the locals asked for a photo. And he got there with a group of them. And, and somebody grabbed an ice pick and made it look more authentic. And, you know, thrust it into a van and he just grabs it. And this is that happens, there's some ports that go by. And they see this. And, and of course, one of them was a, was a climber, and he goes up to Sir Ed, not recognizing him at all. And he says, that's not how you hold it here. And he turns it around. He says, that's how you hold an ice cream. <laughs> Could you imagine? Sir Ed says, thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Not for a moment even admitting who he was. Could you imagine telling Picasso how to make? Tell Bob Dylan how to play guitar? Tell T.S. Lewis how to, uh, how to compose uh, lines of poetry? That's not how you do it. Let me tell you. The audacity, right? Humility. The humility of Christ. But though being in the very form of God do not think Equality is something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And this is the way that we reflect God's love in the world. This is the way we hold the church and society together. If we don't think that, then perhaps it's time to change our lives. In the name of God, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.